0: Welcome to episode number 238 of the Addiction Unlimited podcast. I'm your coach, Angela Pugh. Thank you for spending some time with me today. I hope your day has been amazing so far and that you are doing your thing, living your life, feeling good and strong and proud of who you are being in the world. It feels good to be on the microphone recording right now. And In a minute, I'll share with you what's been going on for me dealing with some major sadness and grief. And I know many of you can relate to that. And I want to talk to you about dealing with enormous sadness and change and that feeling of spinning like you don't even know what to do or how to deal with all of that energy swirling around inside of you. And before we dive into that, I want to start with a new review we got. I love it when we get reviews. I appreciate you guys so much when you take a few minutes to leave a review. It's super important in podcast world, and I am always incredibly grateful for your time. And this is from Kara, and she says, wow, just wow. And she put those wows in all caps, by the way. I just listened to a podcast about breaking through mental resistance, and it was absolutely perfect for the issues I'm grappling with right now. Thank you, Angela. Your honesty, intelligence, and sense of humor are greatly appreciated by little old me. With a little heart face emoji, you guys. Well, thank you, Kara. I love hearts and emojis. (laughs) If you're in the Facebook group with me, or if you're one of my clients and we text, then you know I'm crazy about hearts. A little heart emoji can send a ton of love and support without ever saying a word. And I love that. And Kara, again, thank you for taking the time to leave a review. It's amazing. And I'm so appreciative. And I'm glad the mental resistance episode was good for you. It's crazy how much resistance we can build up in our heads without even realizing it. And we have to take the time to clean it up and get rid of it. And I will link that episode in the show notes too. So if you haven't listened to that one and you want to, you can click right from your podcast app and get that episode. It was a good one. And it is one of my favorite topics because I feel like that's The biggest thing that we're up against all the time is our own internal resistance and not wanting to do things and not feeling like doing things. And that doesn't sound so fun, but those are exactly the things, and this is really what this episode is about, that those are exactly the things that we have to do in the really challenging moments regardless of what brings on the challenge, you know, coping and making those moment-by-moment choices to get through it and do the things that are good for you. That's the important stuff. So here we are together going through some really hard things. And the last couple of months, I have been a little bit quiet in the Facebook group and in our member community, The Sober Society. And this is the first time I'm really talking about this publicly, um, mostly because I haven't been able to talk about it at all. (laughs) So I'm just going to blurt this part out because if I don't, I will get super emotional and fall apart and this recording will never get finished. In September, my dog, Henry, got very sick, and after a couple of weeks of trying to nurse him back to health and spending every single day at the vet or the emergency vet, I had to make the decision to put him down, and it has been one of the worst experiences of my life, and I still struggle to talk about it. We had 14 and a half magical years together. I have never loved someone so much. He traveled the world with me, woke me up with dog kisses every single day, and brought me more happiness than I ever knew possible. He is my person, and everything I do in my life revolved around him. So losing him has been devastating. I know so many of you are listening to this right now, maybe even tearing up yourself, thinking about your own experience with this, and you know firsthand how awful it is. And the reason this has turned into a podcast episode is because of all the things it has stirred up inside of me, right? Like going through this experience the aha and light bulb moments that have come from this overwhelming sadness. You know, um, all of a sudden being alone, totally alone, having to figure out how I'm going to get through it and what my life is going to look like now, figuring out how to just stop crying, (laughs) how to pull myself off the couch and do all the things I have to do. On a daily basis, it has been very eye opening. And of course, I thought of you guys and how we always talk about the curveballs that life is going to throw you and how we have to get in the solution and take action. So, first, I took some quiet time for myself. I needed time to just be sad on an epic level. The only person I told was my best friend, Andy. I called him right after it happened. I was kind of in shock, to be honest. And I was so grateful he answered the phone, you guys, because he was at work and he lives in Phoenix, so his time is different than mine. And usually at that time of day, he would never be able to answer the phone. But that day he did, and I can't tell you how grateful I am for that because I just, he's the only person I needed in that moment. And he also recently went through the same thing and he knew my last dogs, like in my twenties before Henry, I had Rottweilers. And of course, Andy knew my Rottweilers and he knows the kind of dog mom I am and how obsessed I am with dogs. And he was just the person I needed right then. After that, of course, I went home and I fell apart. I felt so lost and confused and overwhelmed. And it made me think about how some of you feel losing alcohol, right? Like I always talk about losing alcohol, getting clean and sober is its own grieving process. It's like a breakup, like it's hard. I mean, every decision I made in my life revolved around my dog. And with him gone, it's like, I don't even know how to function in my life and in my home. Like he goes everywhere with me and now I'm alone. He's who I talk to just like he's human. He's who I make plans with, who I watch TV with, everything. Just like we are with alcohol or whatever your substance is. And when you're going through something really heavy, at some point you have to make a decision to get into action otherwise you're going to sink. And I was sinking and I knew I would continue to sink if I didn't make a conscious choice to do some things, to take action, to counteract all the negativity and sadness. I had to feel better. And my first thought was just get back to basics. Just do the most basic things that you know are good for you and if you do those things consistently and let time heal you, you will get better. And that's just science, by the way. That's not me. That's just knowing how being human works. <laughs> so tough times don't last, but tough people do. And my basics right now are exercise, meditation, massage, or Reiki, either just some kind of energy healing and yoga. And I guess I should reiterate, get connected, right? That's the first thing I did. Like I said, I immediately called my best friend. The very next morning I went for my regular weekly hike with my girlfriend, Ellie. If you're in Sober Society VIP, then you know Ellie too. She's also our nutrition and health coach in Sober Society. So she had to deal with me crying through the whole walk, (laughs) but I knew I needed to have that time with her. I needed to be connected. I needed to talk. I needed to be moving. And being outside was really good because I felt like I couldn't breathe. And, you know, being home had its own challenges because he wasn't here anymore. And I reached out to my sponsor also. And for the first week to 10 days, all I did was cry all day, every day. I didn't speak openly about the situation because I didn't, I mean, even with my family, I didn't really tell anybody for a minute because I didn't want all my close people trying to come over to my house all the time. And I didn't want to say anything on social media because I couldn't deal with, all of the hundreds of messages that would come from that, I couldn't even hardly talk, more or less try to deal with everyone else and their thoughts and their feelings. This is also the epitome of one day at a time. And a lot of it was one hour at a time. <laughs> you know, I would have an hour or two that I didn't cry and I would think I was getting better. Then I would get on a call with one of my people in my six week signature program and I would burst into tears. And everyone knew he had been sick for weeks. So it was a common question to ask how he was doing. The beautiful thing is, with my six week clients, we're friends. We spend a lot of time together and we get very close and everyone was so supportive and amazing. And I'm so appreciative. And there were meetings I had to cancel and everybody was there to support me and love me. And that's exactly the type of community I worked so hard to create. And it was so nice to have that even for myself in these moments, right? To get to be on the other side of it. And this is exactly how you navigate these overwhelming situations. Whether it's a breakup or getting sober, a death, empty nest, whatever it is, you make a series of choices from one minute to the next to just get through. And you've heard me say, when you get sober, make your life small for a while. Choose carefully where you go, what you do, and who you do it with. This is a time that you have to have some healthy boundaries for yourself. And that's exactly what I did in this situation, because I was so fragile and overwhelmed I just craved the safety of my bubble, but I had some very healthy boundaries about who I talked about it to and what that looked like. And again, like I didn't even tell my family for a day or two, you know, because I just, I just couldn't deal with everybody else's emotion around it. Right. I just, my world had to get very small. I was just very careful who I connected with to protect myself and give myself time to heal. And when I got a little better, I immediately got back to the gym. You know, when I could actually function without just crying, and I'm sure you're probably hearing my voice crack and change a little bit through this recording because I keep breaking down and having to stop and get my act together, But as soon as I was able to be out of the house for a little while and function, I immediately got back in the gym. And I was just putting one foot in front of the other and trying to survive, making choices to do the right things, whether I wanted to or not. And ultimately, I wanted to because I wanted to feel better. So I kept putting one foot in front of the other. I immediately put my thoughts and feelings in my journal. I got on YouTube and found a couple of meditations that I could do every day. I scheduled a massage. And those, those were my basics. I mean, that's all I could do. The first several weeks was just back to basics. I couldn't function well. I did not keep up on work well. I'm very, very far behind. Um but that's just how it goes sometimes it's not something that we can plan for but i have to do what's right for me i have to protect myself and my process whatever that's going to be you know i don't i can't tell you that at the beginning of this i knew what my process was going to look like i've just been taking it one day at a time and figuring it out as i go but I had to have those basic things in place where I could go, okay, do this, do this, do this, do this. And again, for me, it's get connected. I have to be connected and have some people that know what's going on with me. Exactly. Like I say to you, when you get sober, you have to have at least a couple of people that know what you're doing and know your feelings behind it. It's one thing to say, I'm not drinking anymore, but you have to have a couple of people that know you're quitting drinking because you don't do it well and you feel really crappy. You have to have people to connect to in those feelings. So I did that. And then it was getting exercise, because exercise heals everything. And if you notice my whole list, exercise, meditation, massage, and yoga, all of those things are brain things. These are the things that you do that make your brain function better. (laughs) These are all things that are proven to have antidepressant and anti-anxiety effects. Exercise, there's a million studies, a ton of research that says exercise is more successful than any antidepressant or any anti-anxiety medication. That's why I exercise. That is 98% of the reason I exercise is for my mental wellness. There are going to be times in our lives that we cry. There will be curveballs that make you feel like your soul is dying. And those days that are a struggle, that you don't want to do it, you want to give up, those are the days that define who you are. You don't quit. Hard times come for everyone, and they are what make you strong, but only when you make the decision to keep moving forward. Giving up or wanting to give up is human nature. It's just the fear of the what ifs. What if I can't do it? What if I'm bad at it? What if it's a mistake? What if I fail? It feels easier to just quit but here's the problem. You've heard me say it before. If you shrink to accommodate your fear, you're sentencing yourself to a lifetime of shrinking and failing. You lose faith in yourself and the world around you. Don't do that to yourself. Difficult times will come. You don't have control over that, but you do have control over what you do in the difficulty. Are you going to lay down and give up and feel sorry for yourself, or are you going to figure out how to take action, the smallest actions that get you going the direction you want to go? Move into healing, starting a new chapter, figuring out what it's going to look like. You know, I had to get quiet for a minute to start to understand all the feelings that were spinning in my head, sadness, confusion, grief the overwhelming sense of what do I do now, and anger. I have moments of being really angry about all of it. Then I had to write it down. I pulled out my journal, which for me is its own form of meditation because it's raw and honest and healing. It puts the big picture of your life into perspective. And if you haven't figured this out yet, your mental wellness is important because it guides all the other parts of your life, physical, spiritual, family. It all becomes better when you maintain your mental wellness. Another thing that has overwhelmed me is the time and everybody talks about this when they quit drinking too all of a sudden i have all this time to deal with and <laughs> wondering what to do with myself and and who am i now that he's gone i've been a dog mom since i was 23 i'm 50 everything i do has revolved around my dogs all the choices i make how i do my schedule you know travel is always packing him a bag and me a bag <laughs> i mean everything revolves around him so Now that he's gone, it's like, I don't even know what to do with myself. You know, I've always been really happy to be at home because he's at home. Well, now that's different. Now I don't have anybody to talk to or hang out with or, you know, go take for walks and have fun with and play with. You know, now I'm really sitting here by myself and I'm like, well, what do I do with myself? And it has made me wonder, it has made me think about you know, my hobbies and things I do for joy because I really, especially since coronavirus, have just gotten so used to just being at home. So it's opened all of this stuff up for me to think about and deciding what I want my next steps to look like, what I want my next chapter to look like and who I want to be in that and what activities do I want to be a part of and then taking the action to make that happen, which I've also done with some fun things. So I wanted to talk about this because to me, when I think about everything I've been going through these last couple of months, there were so many parallels to the conversations we all have about getting sober. And I wanted to talk through really step-by-step how I've been dealing with the process, how I've been going through it, and the choices that I made and why, because I know I learn best from somebody breaking it down for me that simple, right? Like it's one thing to say, take action, but when I could sit here and tell you, okay, listen, I melted into my couch and sobbed for days uncontrollably. And I knew if I stayed there, I was just going to lay there and die there. Like I knew I had to do something. So this is what I did. This is how I did it. And I wanted you to have that breakdown of real life, real time, This is what it looks like to make the decision to do something that is good for you only because it's good for you, not because you feel like it, not because it sounds fun, not because you want to, but you do it because you have to. And you know it's the right thing to do to nurture your mental wellness. And that's all it is. So I want you to think about today as you're going through your day, what are your basics? What are your absolute basic baseline things that you need to do to stay well, to feel good, to feel better, to take care of yourself so that you know you will feel better? Because listen, I'm telling you, when I got back in the gym, you guys, I didn't feel better at all. I'm, I was pissed off. I was sad. I mean, I've been in my classes bawling my eyes out while I'm doing jumping jacks. Like that happens almost every day still. (laughs) So it's not that I always feel better. I mean, I definitely feel better overall. It's getting better every day, but I wasn't going to the gym because I felt great and I wanted to be in the gym. I just knew that's what I needed to do for my wellness. And that's what I want you to think about. What are your basics? What are your baseline things that you know support your mental wellness, that keep you well, that make you well? That's what I want you to think about today. Thank you for listening to me. And um, I have talked a little bit about this in the Facebook group. I did mention it last week and Of course, got a ton of support. I love you guys so much. And this has been just a really, really hard time. And uh, I'm just going to continue putting one foot in front of the other. And I am excited about the next chapter and what it looks like. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to start getting out in the world and doing um, public meetups with my Addiction Unlimited audience. We're going to start putting some of those things together across the country in different cities so that I can meet some of you in real life <laughs> now that coronavirus is allowing us to do those things. And um, and my life has changed, so I have definitely some more time and freedom. But I can't wait to uh, really delve into the next chapter and, and get through the difficulty of it, right? And I just want to continue to be open and continue to write about it and explore everything that comes up for me and really figure out who I'm going to be in this next chapter. And I hope that you are going to come along for the ride with me. I hope you're having a fantastic day and I will see you next week. You've reached the end of another great episode of the Addiction Unlimited podcast candid, and honest conversation about addiction and recovery. Be sure to visit us at addictionunlimited.com to join the conversation and access show notes and links to everything we talked about. Love this episode? Please take 30 seconds to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes to help us improve and give you the information you want. Thanks for listening. See you next week.